Mystery Brothers. 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 Mystery Fucking beautiful day outside. I'm kind of like, you know. Finally. Yeah, finally the summer is here. You know, in Michigan, you really earn your summer. Yeah, you deserve it, you know. After going through four months of complete cold. Yeah, just horrible winter. But yeah, so this episode, we're going to be talking about, uh, we got a couple topics. The main topic is going to be D.B. Cooper and that story. Um, Pretty interesting. After doing the research, it actually is a pretty interesting story. Still a mystery, you know, which, you know, is kind of what we do, we do. with <laughs> mystery bros. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to talk about D.B. Cooper, that whole situation. We're going to talk about possible possible suspects, you know, possible theories about what happened, all that good stuff. Right. Um, yeah. And then for, you know, towards the end, I think I think we're going to have time for a little quickie conspiracy, and that's... We're going to talk about Michael Rockefeller, which is not a very well-known story. Not many people know about it, but it's a pretty interesting story about what happened to him. Um, so we'll get into that, too. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that, too. Um, but first, yeah, D.B. Cooper, man. D.B. Cooper is an interesting, very interesting story. I guess we'll kind of like start from the beginning, go over the whole situation, yeah, what happened. Yeah, we start from the whole story. You yeah, have to we'll like give you set the whole the story. We'll give you the whole story and then just kind of, you know, go from there. Then we'll go into theories, that kind of stuff. So I believe this did start in um, the early 70s, right? Yeah, it was 1971 when this happened. So um, it was November 24th, 1971. Uh, a guy who went by the name of Dan Cooper. Dan Cooper, right? Yep, bought a ticket on Northwest Airlines from Portland to Seattle. Which One I, way, which I guess back then you didn't have to like show a passport or anything. So I think you probably just like could just walk in buy a ticket. Yeah, things were way different back then. Like security was way less, obviously, as we'll see. Yeah. But like, yeah, I guess you didn't really need much to. Yeah, you could just say my name's Joe Schmo. I want to buy a ticket here, and they're like, here you go, bud. Here's yeah, a ticket. Because like you're not going international, so I feel like the yeah. domestic was way more lax back then than it is now. Yeah, Portland to Seattle, that's so... It's like a half-hour flight. Like, yeah, that's yeah. like that's really short. I didn't even think about 40 that. 40 bucks gonna... is like way cheaper, too, than like an Uber ride from Portland to Seattle. Uh, I might want to take. I might want to look into that option. Is even that though... what he paid? Yeah. 40 bucks? But this is also back in the 70s. Yeah, it's so... probably like now it's like 100 Still, that's really cheap. Yeah. Although, I don't know. It depends. I mean, you can get some really cheap tickets now. Cheapoware.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got tickets to Colorado for like for a fucking round trip for 70 bucks. But that's kind of because there was like a bit of a pandemic happening. Right. And how did that trip turn out for you, Evan? (laughs) (laughs) I actually did not end up going because of said pandemic. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. So like we said, Dan Cooper, he bought a one way ticket from Portland to Seattle. Um, So he gets on the plane. All he has is his briefcase. Um, he's wearing like a, like basically like a black suit. He's very right? professional looking like yeah. a gentleman style. It's kind of where it's like myth. Yeah. He had a, he had a white button up shirt, black tie, um, 
like a black suit, and then then he had like a trench coat, right? Like a big overcoat. Right. He also had sunglasses on. All right, which is you know can't see his <laughs> eyes. Then it's it's. Playing the cool, on yeah, to look cool for school or whatever they no, say. Not even to look cool, just so people aren't like, so you can't see their eyes, you know? Right. And you can't see what they're doing. You can't see what they're looking at. You know, Wonder, <laughs> maybe he looked super nervous and he was just like, all right, I'm just going to put some sunglasses on. No one will even know. No, but like, it's interesting now, like to look back and like, see how relaxed security was. Cause yes. there basically was no security. Yeah. There was no security pretty much back then. Like we said, you could literally just walk up and say, my name's, Kevin, I'm buying a ticket here, or I want to buy a ticket to Florida or something, and you didn't even have to show like ID or anything. I guess like they were just like, "Here you go, sir. Take it to Florida. Have fun." Or maybe you just had to like show like a regular driver's license or something like that could be like easily faked, and like we don't have to like look extremely hard. So it's like probably easy back then. Yeah, I wonder if he used an I like like a fake ID. Or if he just said his name was Dan Cooper and yeah. that's good enough back <laughs> that then. Could, that, could, that could easily be the case since you could just bring whatever you want on a plane. So. Yeah, that's right. There was no security. Like, they didn't check anything, like any of your baggage or anything like that. No, for domestic flights, they said they did no checks back then. That's crazy. That's super interesting. But, but yeah, so basically, you know, he gets on the plane. Um, He's sitting in the last row of the plane, right? Very last row on the right side. Um, This was a, it was a Boeing 747, right? Correct. It was one of the biggest planes at the time. Yeah, Boeing 747, um, which, yeah, pretty big plane. Uh, really big for the time. Now, to t- today's standards, it's probably not that big, but it was still a co- you know commercial flight. Um, so he gets on the plane. A um, few minutes after they take off, he hands a note to the flight attendant that was sitting right next to him or right behind him, basically, because he was in the very last row. Um, her name was Florence Schaffner. And on the note, it said... Miss, I have a bomb here, and I would like you to sit by me. Right. I'm done, done. At right? first, yeah. At first, she said she thought it was like a love note. He was like, that's why she didn't open at first, but he like kept looking back. Yeah, yeah. I, read, I heard that, too. He like, like he gave it to her, and she like put it in her pocket. Yeah, she like, thought it was like a love note. Like, Bitch, yeah. read that shit, because it's important. <laughs> yeah, he had to tell her. I'm pretty sure he had to tell her, like, you need to read that, because I have a bomb. I think that's what he said. I think I think I what I heard like he said he said like you you should read that or kept looking back like, have you read the read the note yet Yeah Yeah so um she probably like went from all oh, this is a creep to like oh no to like oh shit <laughs> Yeah I I'm sure like it happened back then but I bet you like hijacking planes was not huge like how many times did it happen before that probably not a ton Probably not since there's no security I feel like I feel like I don't know because I don't I don't like dive back in history, but yeah. I feel like there couldn't have been like too many incidents because I feel like they would have, especially on domestic flights, because I feel like they would have tightened up security. Yeah, I feel like there's been a few, but other than that, it wasn't a big, very very prominent thing. That's why they didn't really have right. any like you know securities or anything to stop that. But it's basically it's basically like just going getting it getting in on a cab. Honestly, like yeah, there's no much. really difference except you're flying a little farther. Yeah, pretty much. Like every you know you're just. No precautions really at all. So, <laughs> so anyway, he gets her the note. She he gets her to read it finally, and then she's like, "Oh fuck!" So she goes and sits next to him. Um, he basically he showed her uh, his briefcase that he had with him, 
which had eight sticks of dynamite in it, or what looked like it, at least. Um, we never got to actually check on that because he took it with him. But so apparently, like he showed the crew, like he opened it up and showed like what I yeah. have, and it, and all of them say it looked like dynamite, like it looked right. like some sort of dynamite like bomb thing that he put together. It could have all been fake, you don't know, the crew members. Which is kind of adds to what we were saying before. Like he just brought a briefcase full of fucking what looked like dynamite and shit onto a plane. So obviously they didn't check anything. Um, and and basically he he had one of the uh, the flight attendants sit next to him and talking on the phone to the people in the cockpit so they so he could relay information to her and then she would give it to them and tell them what to say to the police or whoever they were talking right. to. And apparently the passengers had no idea this was going on. Yeah. 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 Most passengers didn't even know. And that's, that's probably what they wanted. You know, you didn't want to cause like a huge panic or anything. And like, that's not what the crew members want either. They don't want like, yeah, exactly. It was probably better off for both of them that yeah, the nobody really knew, knew and they kind of didn't. Um, but yeah, so his demands were, he said, I want $200,000 by 5 PM in cash. Um, put it in a knapsack and he said, I want two back parachutes and two front parachutes. So four parachutes in total. And then, um, it says when we land, he wanted them to a fuel truck to be ready so they could fuel up the plane. And, um, and then at the end, it said, no funny stuff, or I'll do the job, <laughs> which is interesting. You know, it's weird verbiage. No <laughs> funny stuff, or I'll do the job, meaning blow everybody up, I'm guessing. Yeah. Just Wouldn't have- that be a suicide thing? Right. Oh. I feel like if they refuse his demands, I feel like you almost have to, because otherwise you're going to jail forever. Yeah. Yeah, so they probably had to take that seriously. And it's seriously, like, it's your life. Like, you don't want someone else messing with your life, like, right? So you take every precaution you need to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And apparently a lot of the people, like, the, the crew and stuff, like, they kind of thought he was cool. <laughs> yeah, like, he was, like, gentleman. He like, was really nice, nice to them. Yeah. He was very, like, kind to them, very courteous. Like, he asked, if, like... You know, he asked very politely and stuff like this. He never like threatened anybody or anything like that. Other than like, I might, you know, I got some bombs here. Just relay what I want. You know what I mean? Like he was never like, he was really cool apparently. And like, they were all like, you know, he was kind of a good guy (laughs) (laughs) while he was robbing the plane. Um, And I think Tina said that she like, you know, she thought he was kind of a really nice gentleman. Good guy, I guess. But, um, so then eventually they, you know, they got everything that he wanted. All of his demands were met. Uh, and they landed in Seattle and that's where, um, they gave him the money. All right. Um, they gave him the money, they gave him the parachutes and, and they had a truck ready for refueling for him. So, um, he gave like everybody, he gave like pretty much like all the passengers that were on the plane, and then all the crew, except for like three of them, right? Right. Like Tina, like one flight attendant and like three pilots, right? Right. 
And, and I think a lot of, like, like we said, a lot of the passengers, like, didn't even know anything happened. Like they got off the plane. Right. They probably just got off the plane. They just like, got, yeah. They yeah. just got off the plane and was like, wait, what? We we're being hijacked. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's probably the best way to find out. Like how cool of a story did you be telling? Like, yeah, I was, I was on that plane. I was on that plane. I didn't even fucking know. Three of them the day. Yeah. Right. Apparently before he took off, they were having a conversation of where they wanted to go. And he said, he'd like to go to Mexico. And the pilot told him, you can't go to Mexico. We don't have enough fuel for that. You can either go to Reno or Phoenix. Yeah. They had a few different options. I think they had like, yeah, like he could stop in, uh, Sacramento. He could, you know, there's a few different places, but I guess he chose Reno. Right. And like, I think they may have been unaware of the fact that his plan was to jump off. <clears throat> yeah. Even though he did order parachutes, but <laughs> would it have been possible? Do you think it was possible to go to Mexico and they were just saying you, you couldn't or what? Well, this is all the way up in Seattle, right? So I feel like it is pretty far. It yes. is, that, that is a, like a far but back like in the today 70s. Today you could do that. They, today you could do that. Yeah, but back then I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, he I was probably know. like he probably like was being honest because he's like, yeah, I bet you they were. I bet you they they were they just couldn't actually go yeah. all the way to Mexico. Like, why would you fly to Reno and Phoenix? And why would you just say, oh, we can't go farther than Los Angeles? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, so. So yeah, so they probably were being honest with him, but. Um. And then I think I believe from there, he was like he told the other crew member to go back into the cockpit with the, uh, with the pilots. Yeah. So they couldn't see what they were doing. Yep. Because they took back off again at like at seven thirty six. Mm hmm. Seven thirty six p.m. Um, he also, he was asking them, he, t he said that he wanted to fly with the landing gear out. He wanted yes. to fly with the landing gear down. And then he wanted to fly with like the, the stairway, like the back stairs down as well. But they were like, you can't fly with the stairs down. Right. Cause that just, that wouldn't work, yeah. it wouldn't work out. You can't, you know, fly the whole way like that. Well, you could fly out the landing gear down, apparently, and that's and they did because because they, they were flying very low. Right, they said they he fly specifically very low. said that. Yeah, which I think he, he's giving a lot of hints that like he's going to jump out. Obviously, he has for parachutes. And they had two um, military planes circle. They had two military jets circle. Yeah, they the had plane. two military jets following the plane. It was smart. It was really smart how he asked for four parachutes because you think if he was like, I want a parachute. They could just give him a parachute that doesn't, you know, like a parachute that like he can't, it doesn't work or something, you mm -hmm. know, and then he just jumps out and he's dead or something like that. But he asked for four parachutes, which made the police think that he might take a hostage with them and they can't give him a, a parachute that doesn't work if they don't know, if, like right. he could give that to a hostage and then the hostage I is I think dead. that's as many as crew members that were on the board. Exactly. Exactly. So he asked for four parachutes. So to make them think that he might bring a hostage, so they had to give him parachutes that worked. Yeah. So that was pretty smart. You know? It's pretty smart of him. So they did, because they they that's what they thought. They were like, fuck, if we give him like we we want to just give him a, a bullshit parachute that doesn't work so that, you know, he or a parachute that like you know, will wrap him or you know, something but like that. But do they know that's still two hundred thousand they don't get back? What do you mean? Money. 
If they if he dies, yeah, because like you might never find him, and you might never find the money. They don't give a fuck about the money. It doesn't matter. I mean, two hundred thousand is two hundred thousand back then. No, it doesn't fucking matter. They don't care about the money. It's not even that much money. Two hundred thousand dollars. It's probably why he did ask us for a low amount, so like it wouldn't be like as like that's a significant amount for a person, but like in the grand scheme of like things, like that's not that much money. You know, back then, like if you've inflation today, that'd probably be like asking for like a million bucks. Yeah, half a million or something. Which is good, but it's not gonna like they're not. You know, no one's gonna be like, oh my god, we. He didn't ask for like ten million. Like, yeah, I feel like your demands are at one point will not be met if you ask for too much. Well, also he asked for it in cash, and you have to carry. Like, you know what I mean? It's gonna be tough to carry. Like. And that's Dude, one do you know, do you realize a million dollars in cash weighs like a hundred pounds or something? Like it's a, like it's not it's a lot. They also so, said that's where he kind of screwed up because he didn't specify in like what doll with uh, the denomination what, the denomination of the money. Yeah, he was he didn't say anything. He didn't like he, if he would have asked for it in like hundreds, it would have been like way less, less. and it could have been a lot easier to carry. But they gave him to him in twenties. Yes. Um, and they got the money from. And do you even count that, or do you just like I just no? I just trust have time you. to count I it. Just yeah, trust you don't have time to count it. You know, you when you're like making demands like that, and you and they, you know, you're saying you have a bomb and stuff. Like they're not going to try and screw you. You know, they're not going to be like, oh, we only give him a hundred thousand dollars. Like <laughs> he might kill people or, or something or blow up a fucking plane. Like. Why would you, you know, they, they don't, they're not going to fuck with you. So I don't think you really need to count yeah. it. You're just like, that's his, one of his big F ups was like, he didn't specify in the amount and they gave it to him in twenties. Yes. Yes. So which it's is probably, probably like person, like it was just probably like, they probably like 30, 40 pounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is a decent, like that's, you know, it's like a kid. If he would have got it in hundreds, it probably would have been like 10 pounds, maybe yeah, 15 it or something. Been, it would have been way easier. That's only yeah. like, that's not that much really in hundreds. It would have been 2,000 bills, yeah. which, you know, like I said, maybe 10 pounds, 15 pounds or something. It would be a lot better than in 20s. Yeah, I can't really tell you because I haven't really seen uh, that many bills yeah. in my life. Yeah, right. So like we were saying, they took off They took off at 7.36. Um, they were on their way to, to Reno because they, had to, they were going to stop there, refuel again, and then go down to Mexico City. Um, but... Were they going to refuel or did they just give them as a final option? No, they're saying that they couldn't make it all the way to Mexico City so from there refuel. without refueling. Oh, so they had to stop yeah. somewhere and refuel. Um, so, yeah, so they were going to refuel in Reno. But um, by, at about 740, only about five minutes after they took off, he told uh, the rest of the crew, he told all the, all the crew that he kept with him, which I think was only like three or four people, everyone go get up in the cockpit. And don't come back out for yeah. the rest of the flight. He told them that. So that, that happened. Um, and then, you know, about three hours later, they landed in Reno. And there was no sign of him at all. Right. The they, they, they noticed that the doors went down because, like, the cabin pressure went up. That's what happens next is the hotly, the most hotly debated topic because we don't know. Yeah. Um Obviously, they realized that he must have jumped from the plane. You know, he wasn't there. Money was gone. 
two parachutes were gone. And, um, and that was about it. It basically started like a huge manhunt, you know, from the FBI and everyone was just looking for him. Um, his description, according to all the, uh, the crew members on the plane, uh, he was a white male, 35 to 50. All of these descriptors. That's a huge exactly. age. I was, just, I was just about to say that all of these descriptors are just like, they give such a wide range of everything. Like they said, he was somewhere between five, nine and six foot. I guess it's only a few. That's like three inches, but still 150 to 190 pounds. That's a pretty big range. <laughs> um, and then you had black hair and brown They probably eyes. ask you like, all right, how much do you think is the least amount he weighs? How much do you think is the most? They're probably asking like, what's the youngest you think he is? What's the oldest you think he is? That's probably yeah. how they get the range. But that's such a big range. Like it's hard to, to like, I would have been like narrow that down to like a five year range. You know, I don't know if you can tell maybe 10 year range. That's such a wide range. I can describe a lot of, a lot of people, 35 to 50 and 150 to 190 pounds. Um, and, and basically like they weren't a hundred percent sure where it was that he jumped. Right. Um, but like you were saying earlier, like they, they noted that, um, what time was it? They said at about, at around eight fifteen, the crew felt, um, an oscillation of the aircraft or like, you know, like a turbulence basically that ha- that happened that could have been caused by someone jumping out. Um, so they think that it was sometime around eight fifteen when he jumped out. And at that point they were like, he was like about a hundred miles North of like Portland area. Right. Mm-hmm. Like 50 miles, I think. Yeah. He, he was like 50 miles North of Portland is what they believe. But that's a pretty like huge, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of just a big wild wilderness. Right. And then that's where he jumped. But then he, they don't know when he pulled the parachute. They don't know, like, you know, he could have floated really far. It's so they had a pretty big range, a pretty big like area that he could have landed in. You know what I mean? Right. So I, they, they did like a serious manhunt. They searched like a couple day, like, Oh yeah. They, they had uh, airplanes, helicopters, like everybody searching. Uh, people on the ground, like all all kinds of search methods. Methods um, they were looking for him, and there was pretty much no trace at all. He probably planned that out where he was going to jump. You think so? Maybe that's maybe. But one the, of the thing reasons. is, here's here's the thing. He they said specifically that when they were negotiating, like where he was going to land, where he was going to go, they were like, "Do you have a flight path in route or, or in mind?" And he said. He was basically like, no, I don't care. Like, let's get going. Like, I want to hurry this up. So he didn't know what flight path they were going to take. You know? True, but you can... And, 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 and he, he no wanted to go to Mexico City. Your buddy, so. And he wanted to go to Mexico City. So, like, that's a totally different flight path than going to Reno. And he was just like, all right. And they they took... There's, like, a, there's like four or five different flight paths that you can go from, like, from uh, Seattle to Reno. Right. And they knew which one they took, so that's why they knew like the the area to look. But he wouldn't have been able to know that, you know. I think it definitely was his plan to jump out, obviously the whole time. But I don't know if he really thought, it out. thought about where it was going to land. No, I I'd, I'd figure it out if I had a briefcase of two hundred thousand. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, he there was no trace of him ever found. Um, you know, it's 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 very mountainous, like I said, wilderness, very dense forest. Um, and also, like in the few days after this happened, the weather was really bad. Like it was rainy and, and like shitty, like foggy, really not not very good visibility. So, um, you know, they couldn't really see. Yeah. You know, so they're just all things were against them. They did like a huge investigation, you know, right. obviously, because this was like a, you know, a pretty big crime, hijacking a plane, bringing a bomb on a new plane, that kind of shit. Um, so, so that, you know, they, they thought like, like their, their criteria, they thought it was possibly some sort of like someone who had military experience. Right. Because, you know, he seemed like he knew a lot about, planes planes yeah that that kind of stuff like flying like and parachuting jumping out. Experience, yeah. yeah so they like went back on the records and they like they looked at all the parachuters and everything and i feel like they, they just came up empty on that it's hard just to look on because so many people you know what i mean it's hard to just yeah. based off of that um they even thought that he might be a possible possibly uh ex-cia um oh really only because yeah only because uh it was he, this Boeing 747 that the type of plane that, that he hijacked it. First of all, it wasn't a very popular like aircraft back then for commercial. It was only like only like half or so commercial flights had that airplane. And he made sure that he got a flight that was going to have that airplane. And those airplanes are the only airplanes that had that like back staircase mm-hmm. that could come out. And the reason that they think that he might be possibly ex CIA is because he knew that and the CIA used those airplanes uh, during the Vietnam war to, uh, to like drop supplies and stuff into the army and he, and CIA members would have, that's like knowledge they would have had, you know? Right. And you know, they're thinking they, they don't think he just got lucky and happened to hide, you know, get a plane that had that back staircase on it. Cause that makes it really easy to jump out. The ones that have like the, the doors in the front or on the sides, those are really hard to jump out of, right? you know, cause you got to jump well, like against the force, you know, against the wind, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, they think he may have possibly been, um, CIA. Apparently one of the flight attendants asked him like, what do you have a grudge against our airline? And he says, I don't have a grudge against your airline. You have a grudge against airlines in general. He didn't necessarily say that. Did he? I thought he said, I don't know. It's not a grudge against your airlines. I thought he just said, but I just, I just have a grudge. You know, they also looked into like the name because, um, he, he said his name was Dan Cooper. And right. I, mean, I think they the don't press. think he used his real name. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they, they thought, so they were thinking like, where, why do you think he used that name? Do you think there's a reason? And people, you know, they were looking into stuff like apparently, um, somebody like there was a guy whose initials were DB Cooper and they thought that he may have been a suspect. So the press, uh, printed that right in a newspaper and that's how the name came. Like that's why we like it's called the DB Cooper. Right. It was a story. press release. Yeah. 
DB Cooper. It sounds even, better it's than not Dan even, Cooper. It's not even the name that he yeah. used, but that's what people call it because it just sounds better than Dan Cooper. DB Cooper. DB Cooper. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> that would be a strange first name. Hey, DB, what's going on, man? Yeah. Well, it's initials, you know, so it's like it's like Dan. AJ or something, but like DB, DB. it's just not super popular. Um, but but yeah, and and then at one point they thought like possibly he may have been a Canadian because there's this French comic um, about a pilot whose name is Dan Cooper. Right. (laughs) And, and he's like this, it's like a, I guess it was pretty popular back then in France. Um, but it wasn't sold in America, but it was sold in Canada. So they thought maybe the dude was Canadian. Um, and then they also thought that, that doesn't really narrow anything down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but that gave them a little, you know, maybe they, they could, it gives them more to look into. Right. Which gives yeah. you like 80, 80 more million, 30 more million people to, uh, yeah, to look up. But, um, <laughs> basically they also, they thought it was strange. Cause they think that when he, when he asked for the money, he said in American currency or like circulated American currency, and they just thought that was kind of strange to specify that if you weren't if you were an American, you know what I mean? Right. So that made them think maybe he was Canadian. But I don't know. But, but but I, don't know. No, I like, feel like if I was in the country, if I was hijacking a plane and I was in that country, I would just ask for that country's money. Isn't it like a lot harder to ask for your country? And that kind of gives away where you're from. If you ask, I'd like this in U.S. dollars, it, it gives away where you're from. If you ask for the currency of your native country. Yeah. Yeah, if you're doing it in another country. Yeah. But, like, other than, you know, other than that kind of stuff, like, they really had no fucking idea. No. <laughs> no fucking idea. Um, I think that there was, like, thousands of suspects. You know what I mean? Like, well, all he left behind is a black clip tie, um, mm-hmm. a pearl tie, uh, and a um, cigarette box that he had. Yeah. And and an unused... Eight, cigar- eight, yeah. eight cigarettes that he smoked. But back then... I don't think that they like knew that you could get like DNA off of cigarettes and yeah, stuff. So they, so probably just threw they, away. Yeah, they probably just threw them away. Now we could probably, if they kept them for 30 years, you could probably, it would probably be a lot more easier to solve. Yeah. You could get, probably get some DNA off of those and, you know, be able to give it a better try. But yeah, they like didn't, Yeah, you know, but they did have, like I said, they had like thousands of suspects. But there was, they, you know, I'd say there's about five or six suspects that, like, had some, you know, decent, like, you know, like, other people thought it could possibly be them. And there was some, some like, circumstantial type evidence. Not really any physical Well, they thought one but, in 1971 when they got a tip. That happened again uh, um, at a plane where the, where, the, where the guy asked for $500,000. Yeah, And he yeah. jumped over Denver. And they thought maybe he could also be D.B. Cooper. Mm. But when they like found out he was a Vietnam vet and they like raided his home, he had a wife and children and they found like he had too much evidence against him because they found like the, 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 the stash of money in the closet, the half a million and all the documents. Yeah. And I mean, that was, that was Richard McCoy, right? Yeah. Richard McCoy. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of things that were similar to the DB Cooper, uh, thing which is kind of why they thought like maybe it was this dude they were trying to connect it yeah yeah they were they were trying to, and like a lot of the things that he did was stuff that, that cooper did right 
Well, he could have just like right up on that. You know what I mean? Like he could have just known the situation, like known what happened and then got inspired by it type of well, thing. Well, apparently when they showed him to the witnesses of the, like they showed him the flight attendants and pilot and they said it, it wasn't him. Yeah. And I think you wouldn't lie about that. So they also he used, he used a lot of the same phrases as well. He also said, don't try any funny stuff. Like, like he used a lot of the same phrases that DB Cooper used. So they were kind of like, huh? Like, you know, that made them think connected a little, but apparently like a week before he gave it a little, I gave it away to his friend who said, he said like, yeah, if I was DB Cooper, I would have asked for half a million dollars and jumped <laughs> up, jumped out. Yeah. yeah. And then a week later you go do it. <laughs> also, he was, he was only 29 years old. Right. So he was a little young. He was a little young. Uh, so they said it was somewhere between like 35 and 50, right? Yeah. For DB Cooper. So that, you know, that, that's a little young. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, not very recognized or, or none of the crew recognized him. No, um, not at all. He was also, he served in the army in Vietnam and he did like parachuting and stuff like that. So this guy actually like had a lot more knowledge than DB Cooper. And they were like, you know, this was only a year later. Like, did he, he just, he, he probably got just inspired. All that. He probably was like, oh, dude, if DB Cooper could do it, I can do this shit. I'll yeah. Most it. likely he just kind of got inspired by what DB Cooper did and just kind of stole a lot of the same elements of it because it was a good idea and just wanted to do it himself. Right. Yeah. So I don't know too. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that it was Richard McCoy, but there are a few more. Robert Rackstraw. I haven't heard about. No. Okay. Robert, Robert Rackstraw was. See, a lot of these people. The only thing is like somebody was just like, hey, this kind of looks like him. And then they start doing, then they do a little digging type of thing is all it really is. Like, like, you know, they have no physical evidence at all. So they just have to go off of that. Um, and Robert Rackstraw, he kind of got outed. Like some people said, um, they think it looks like him and like, and that he's just, you know, um, could be him. And, and he has a military background, mm-hmm. so he would have known about, you know, the planes, that kind of stuff jumping out. Um, and because he had a military background, he knew how to make bombs. So he would have known how to make that bomb. Um, he had an uncle who was really into skydiving and his last name was Cooper. A little, That's really a little coincidental there. Um, he was discharged from the army five months earlier and they wouldn't say why. So that could, he could possibly like, you know how he said he had a grudge, you know, it could have been that he could have been pissed off about that. Aww. Um, and then when the news, the news like asked him about it cause they, I guess like suspects somehow were getting released in the news. And when the news asked him about it, he wouldn't, he wouldn't deny it. He never denied, like, he's like, no, I'm not D.B. Cooper. He never said that. He was kind of being, like, you know, cool about it, I guess. Um, but which kind of makes me think that he kind of wants, like, yeah. He yeah. kind of wants the fame, not, like, because if you actually did that, I feel like you would have no, you wouldn't, you would, like, say, no, that's you'd not You'd be me. like, no, yeah, you'd be like, no, no, not at all. Um, he was, again, though, he was only 28 years old back then, which is pretty young for someone who was described right. between 35 and 50. Um, and then this guy had blue eyes, whereas DB Cooper, they said he had brown eyes, you know, 
So probably not him. No. I mean, I have another one. They think um, it's Kenneth Christensen. Yeah, I know him too. So one of the he reached out to a private investigator. Um, his brother did and said, "Yeah, my brother was the uh, DB Cooper." And he's and if you start looking into his background, um, he was uh, he was a uh, he was a flight attendant at that airlines. He had notable salary like complaints with the uh, with the airlines. He made fifteen hundred a month, and then a year later, he buys a beautiful house in Washington, um, and he paid it in cash. And they're wondering that's a lot of money for him to save up to uh, spend the money. I remember, I remember that. Um, there's more stuff. Like he also he did have a military background as well. Um, he worked he he worked for Northwest Airlines at one point. For for a while, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, he was 45 at the time that happened, which is about in the in the range. Um, and they showed a picture too on the stewardess, and she said that's the closest picture I've seen to DB Cooper. But he didn't. She didn't confirm him. Uh huh. Um, he he told his brother before he died that he had a secret that he wanted to tell him, but he but he wasn't going to tell him yet. But then he died. Never told him. Kind of interesting. Um, and then he also, like, when he died, he had, like, a lot of money in this bank account, like, over $200,000 in, in a bank account that most people that knew him didn't know about. So that was a little interesting. Um, but they said that he he was, like, he worked in real estate, or he, like, was selling land. So you can make a lot of money doing that. You know what I mean? Right. You can, you know, buying land and then. And the only evidence we have that's him is his brother coming out and saying. Yeah. There's really no like. Right. There's no physical evidence. So there's literally no way to know unless you figure out who it is and get him to like confess. You know what I mean? Otherwise, there's no way. So, so. Like usual with mystery bros, we'll never know. No, he was never found. No one, you know, nobody ever know, knows who he is. No one knows what happened to him. Um, but there was something that happened a little bit later. Yeah, I mean, a, a boy and a father were like doing some digging and they came up and found $5,800. Yes. And like I was saying earlier when I said, I, when I said that the money came from the Seattle bank, the reason that's a little, that's relevant because this bank has this spe- uh, specific bank, it had what was called a, a ransom kit, where it had this money like already like set aside, so that in case something like this happened, and they had all the bills marked, and they knew right. the serial numbers of all the bills. So they gave him this money, and they were like, "Hey, we know that it, like they they basically like the, like the FBI was telling the newspapers to tell people to like." check the serial numbers on the $20 bills that they, that they're getting over the next like six months. And just like, you know, see, that's kind of asking too much of people. Like you think people are going to read through, you know, a thousand different, uh, different serial numbers and see if their $20 bill matches. And how many people actually are listening to it? And yeah. Yeah. So obviously they, they never got, you know, any hits on that, but they did that, that money yeah. that they found. Did have the serial numbers of DB. Cooper. It was the same. Yeah, it was part of that money, which is shocking too, because it's crazy. Because where it happened, where he supposedly jumped off, is like fifty miles the other direction. Yeah, and where it and where the money ended up is very strange too. Like 
Some people say it couldn't have come from the river. Well, if if his original the spot where they where they think he jumped out of, if it would have fallen in the river there, it wouldn't have gone past that point because the river goes north. Right. I have a th- they have a theory which I'll get into later. Yeah. On what happened? I'll get into it now. All right. <laughs> so the theory is, um, one of the persons who gave him the parachutes asked for the model, the specific model, how it works and everything. And he was surprised that he chose that model, not the sporting model. The sporting model is way easier to jump off, way mm. easier to control. So that's why the parachute guy who like gave him the parachute doesn't think he was like a master. At yeah, they don't think he, they don't think he like knew a ton about you know parachuting per se. Um, Cause yeah, I remember reading that too. Like his the parachute that he got, it, he couldn't steer it right. right. Like like it basically like it just goes, and then you kind of go where it takes you. And there was another element that he was finding that night, mm. and that is the cold. Yes. Yes, that's the thing. Like, it was very cold. It was raining. They were flying at, like, they were at 10,000 feet, and the plane was going 315 miles an hour. So, yeah, it's very tough. Yeah. That's why a lot of people think he might be dead. Right. Well, one theory is, like, a lot of people also said, like, yeah, that jump could have been possible. You could have easily landed. But, but some, for someone who's not experienced right. in, in, you know, skydiving or even and you're, parachuting. you're dealing with the coldest elements ever. Yeah. So there's two theories of how that money ended up there. Okay. And one theory is the money ended up, it like, he like he tied it up and it, like, cut and it, like, while he was going down, like, the wind's all over him. Maybe he didn't secure it properly. could have just fallen off him. Mm-hmm. And it landed into the river. And, and it took the river down. And then they, they think that maybe, I don't know, it got caught onto something on like a boat and it pushed it upwards. And that's how, and like a propeller, like sliced it open. That's how like some of the money ended up on that bank. Okay. So it went down the river, got caught into something, went up river, and then like some of the money landed on that bank. Which possible. Which is possible. And if that happened, like that must, that must be the worst feeling ever. Cause yeah, you, you did just all lost, that and you, you just lost, lost all the money. money. Like I might as well just like, how would you feel after that, Evan? You just went through all that and they just see your yeah, money. That's... That would be terrible. <laughs> you just did all that for nothing, basically. Um, and then the, the they, other, but go ahead really quick. Uh, just adding on to uh, the elements and stuff. He was wearing like business shoes, like dress shoes. Right. And then like, like we said, just like a suit with a trench coat. So he was not really like prepared Prepare for, to, the, for uh, like landing in the mountains in the middle yeah. of winter. You know what I mean? It was November. Right. So not really the middle of winter, but like still like, you know, getting cold up in the mountains. Right. So that's what they think. And another thing is since it's hard to steer one theory, you couldn't, you couldn't, couldn't steer. Yeah. At all. He couldn't steer. So, it could have been his worst nightmare. He could have landed in the water. Mm. And that water would have been freezing. They said he would have had minutes to get out. And if you land and if you land in the middle of the lake, he's done. The river that was there. Yeah, we could have landed yeah. in the river and there's also a lake farther that way. It's got a big current too. Right. But they're saying if he landed in the middle of that lake, he would have there's no way he would have ever wouldn't they have found his body then? Well, I'm going to get into that theory. Okay. So they're saying that if it went in the river and the lake, it somehow all connects to the river. Okay. Um, and the, and the body was just got carried, like it was flamboyant down the river. And then it got caught by a propeller on the boat and it went upwards. And that's how the money got cut. 
and then it probably fell off the propeller at some point and sunk down, and the currents took it and it's probably in the ocean by now. That's what people think. Mm-hmm. So that river empties out to the ocean? Yeah. Okay. What does it go up to, into like Washington out, or does it go through? I don't Oregon? know. I'm no, I'm no yes. river expert here. Yes. <laughs> well, rivers lead the, the ocean. Dude, come on. <laughs> no, but um, okay. So that's so. They're just saying, they're basically saying if he landed in the water, he would have been effed. He's dead, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's kind of only makes sense. Like, why would you, unless you wanted to like purposely bury the money. Yeah, yeah, as to why the money showed up there on that riverbank. But yeah. that, first of all, that wasn't all the money. That was only $5,000. Yeah. So maybe lost some. Maybe some of it fell out, or maybe, you know, I don't know. When maybe I th- like when I think about it and buried. try and think of what it could have been, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I think maybe like some of it fell and someone found it and then just said fuck it and threw it in the river because it was so fucked up. You know? That's what I would have done, all right? If I was a little kid and I found like $5,000 worth of money, but it was like all fucked up from being outside yeah. for years, maybe, or you know what I mean? Actually, just, I'd throw yeah. that shit in the river and be like, fuck it. That could easily happen. Could have been that, you know? I, maybe but then, they but, thought maybe buried it so he could come back later. Although, although the spot where it was found, that wasn't. Like that part of the river or that part wasn't land when he did this. Didn't wasn't it like a few years later when they made like a bank there or something? Right. So there's no way he could have he could have done it right then. Yeah. He would have had to have been, he, he would have had, had to bury like a few years later. That's it's really strange how so that I think money almost, got there. Maybe I think it's fell. for sure that it it like fell somehow and got in the river and floated up there. Or maybe the whole sack fell maybe it's alive and the whole sack fell. Into the river, which is like a big, oh. dude. Would, would you just kill yourself at that point? <laughs> would dude? You, I, don't know. <laughs> I would feel really bad. Like I just went through the most stressful situation ever in you my just life. Did all that? Now you're like <laughs> one of the most wanted people in the world. You hijacked a plane, like all this shit, and you didn't even get any money out of it. God, that'd be the worst. And you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, like you're literally. There's no cell phones back then. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's crazy. Um, I remember they they reading somewhere like some people at this bar, like in an, in around that area, say that there was a person that that possibly fitted that description that came in like the the next night or something, and they didn't know where he was from, and he didn't talk really to anybody, this and that, but. You know, there was no way for the cops to, they couldn't find that dude later to talk to him or anything. And this is back in the 70s, so there wasn't like cameras and stuff at bars or, you know, there was nothing there. So basically, there was nothing they can do. But there were some stories from some people uh, on this kind of like mountain town around uh, Oregon where they, close to where they think he landed. So that's, that's interesting. That's but, cool. That's yeah. So we'll see if he's alive. A lot of people do think he's dead. He could be alive. Yeah. We just don't know. Yeah, a lot of people think he was dead just because, like I said, I mean, when he jumped, they were flying through a storm, 10,000 feet, going 315 miles an hour. It was pretty cold. Like, like that's, that's a lot of things against him. You know what I mean? Even someone who's an experienced, like, parachuter would have some trouble with that, you know? And it was the middle of the night. Right. see shit 
And he wasn't dressed for this weather, so like Exactly. So yeah, I mean but it's just like the forest is so dense up there that like you just wouldn't find his body, I guess. You know, or animals would get to it or something. Like it's a big forest. Like I'm sure you can't like search every single part of yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. The north the northwest, Pacific Northwest, like that whole like area up there, there's some really dense, thick forests like, up there that we just can't search. It's just too much. You right. know what I mean? Or Bigfoot is. Maybe Bigfoot got him, dude. <laughs> How do we not think about that, dude? Obviously, he landed. No parachute in sight? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he landed, and then Bigfoot just killed him. Dude, Bigfoot and took that Bigfoot money. Bigfoot has the money. And Bigfoot's like, what am I doing with this money? And, like, dug it and, like, put and it buried away. it. Yeah. Solved it. Case solved, dude. <laughs> Case solved. That's it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the woods up there are so dense that, like, it's very possible that he could have died and we just would never find no, the body. Like, his body's parachute could all still be, like, somewhere. Chances are his body got eaten by something. Or the suitcase is still there. Evan should go search for what it. What if the money's still there, dude? What if we find it? I mean, they couldn't accuse us for being D.B. Cooper, so we're good. It's not worth it for only $200,000, you know what I mean? I don't know, Evan. If I found... if I found That would be nice, but, like, you realize <laughs> it would cost a lot of money to go out there and, like, go searching for that. Right. It'd be cool. I mean, I'm, I'm, I like camping and shit like that, but... It, it would suck. Where would you even start? Even it's know. dangerous, man. <laughs> just like he he could have died, we could easily die. Anyone can easily die. We should start our own like History Channel show, like finding DB DB Cooper's. I'm money. sure that's been that's happened. I'm sure that's out. <laughs> and there they don't already. find anything. They just like oh oh a lead here. Oh, yeah right. I, I got something. Got <laughs> something. Oh, it's just that. <laughs> they did find a little piece of uh. Something that that ripped off of the plane. They they think that ripped off of that plane. Um, when you when you put the when you put the um, the down. stairs down, a little like a little tag or something that was on there got ripped off, and they think and they found that. But that just proves how fucking fast that they were going. You know what I mean? And how like treacherous it is doing that. So yeah, but we'll we'll never know. No. You know, I think if if you had to ask me. I like to think he survived. You know what I mean? I, I, would love, I like to think like he fucking survived and he spent that money and had a good life. You know what I mean? And just lost five. If you just lost 5,800, just like no big no deal. No big deal, dude. You still got 195,000. Uh, Even right? if it's like 20, it's not a huge deal. Yeah, dude. But in the end, I feel like he probably died. Although I don't know, man. I don't know why I think that. Feel like he, I feel like he, they, their evidence to that he died is that there's no circulation of money, but that's also hard to like. How are you gonna check like every single like, Yeah, it could have easily been spent and the one, yeah, it's, yeah. But do you think if he would have taken that money to a bank, he would have been found out? Do you think that banks check the serial numbers on all the money they take in deposits? Not a Swiss bank, well, <laughs> I mean, an American bank. I think American Bank. Yeah, you can't take that shit to an American Bank. You think bank. so? You think he had to just keep it as cash? Maybe even maybe even worldwide. There might be a worldwide banking network that says, hey, if these serial numbers are found anywhere, please let us, please yeah, contact. on American $20 bills. 
Maybe that's something they do. I don't know. I've never worked at a bank. I don't know if they like keep track of all the serial numbers of the deposits and stuff. But it's actually kind of smart. Thing. They probably do. It's a smart thing to see. They probably like, do now, but you think, I don't know if they did back then or not. Who knows? Honestly, I would just like keep it in a closet somewhere. Yeah, just yeah, just or, keep under that a shit. pillow. Yeah, keep that shit under your mattress, and you just have money for you know you can just go in there and grab it when you need it. But yeah, I'd like to think that he survived. You know. Yeah, it'd be really cool if he, you know, he was described as such a gentleman. Yeah, it was yeah, like all crime. He didn't kill anybody. Nobody he knew on the plane. Yeah, nobody got on. hurt. He just outsmarted, you know, he just did something cool. He just <laughs> fucking had the balls to do it. <laughs> Nowadays, you can never do that, obviously. Nowadays, you can't even bring, like, you can barely bring shampoo a fucking, on the plane. Yeah, you can't, you can't bring shampoo. <laughs> You can't even bring like a pocket knife or anything. So I think there's scissors, no, way. no scissors either. Yeah, no. So yeah, there's no way that you could ever do anything like that today. Maybe even a sharp pencil. <laughs> I think you could bring a pencil, but like, you get, get like a sharp, get like a sharp edge. Like, all right, let me in. <laughs> I don't think people are going to be too scared of a, a pencil. You know, that you, someone on the plane is going to be able to take you down. <laughs> But um, I think they have like air marshals that like fly on. I'm pretty sure every single flight there has to be at least like one. I I think internet. I don't think domestic. I, I not domestic. Definitely no, not domestic. I think so, dude. Evan, I've been on so many domestic flights. I've never noticed an air marshal. You're not supposed to notice them. They're they're supposed to be like just a person that that is wearing plain clothes and everything. They don't want you to notice. Them. I don't think because I, then you're just gonna kill them first. If if you're a ter- like if you're trying to take over a plane. You know where the you know that where the air marshal is. Kill him, and then you're good. I don't think. So they, so I think they, it's on not, international. I think domestic. No, all flights, all flights. My my buddy, my my buddy's dad is a pilot. Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah, at least on all Spirit flights, he flies for Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about other airlines, but I'm pretty sure that's a rule. Like you now, it wasn't before that. It wasn't before 9/11. But now, ever since 9/11. There has to be at least one air marshal on every flight. At one point, I think it's two for international or something like that. But I feel like it's a pretty chill job. Yeah, that'd be cool. You just fly around everywhere. And but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, you know, with DB Cooper. It, it's a cool story. I uh, again, as all mystery bros goes, we'll never know what really happened to him. But it's um, it's interesting. It's fun to think about. It's a fun little little mystery there. Little tidbit. Yeah, yeah. So so the other little. Thing we were gonna do this one's kind of just gonna be a little quickie because it's just a, you know we don't know much about it and it's, it's it's just an interesting little thing but um michael rockefeller you know who that is yeah he was a very successful businessman had a oil he was a lot a, of, no his family though his family yes um owned a lot of oil companies yes the rockefellers uh are one of the families that rule the world right now they're one of the families. They're one of the families that it's basically like the Illuminati. They have so much money that they kind of run the world behind the scenes. <laughs> we don't. That's a whole other episode. But um, yeah, Michael Rockefeller. He's obviously a part of the Rockefeller. He was the great grandson of John D. Rockefeller, who was the first uh, United States uh, billionaire. And like you said, it was oil. He basically like he owned. He owned some oil companies that were kind of running the whole oil business. So yeah, John D. Rockefeller was richest, one of the richest men in the world, first U.S. billionaire, and this was his great grandson, um, Michael Rockefeller. He was the son of Nelson Rockefeller, who was the governor of New York for a while. His like like we were saying, his family is 
very deep in business and politics, you know? Um, but Michael wasn't really interested in that shit. He was born in 1938. All right. Um, and like I said, much more interested in like art than he was in business and politics. So they kind of didn't really want to get involved. In yeah. Business. Yeah. You know, most of everyone else in the Rockefeller family is all about making money and all, you know, all that kind of shit. He just was kind of interested in art. Um, he graduated from Harvard in 1960 because, you know, he's a Rockefeller. So he's going to go to Harvard or one of those, one of those Ivy league schools. Cause that's just how it goes. Um, and then he, after that, he joined, uh, the board of directors of the museum of primitive art, which is actually his father founded it a few years earlier. <laughs> so yeah, he became board of directors for that. That's just, Life is just a lot easier when you're rich as fuck or else. <laughs> you know that? Life is just a lot easier for you and a lot better for you when your family has a ton of fucking money. Anyways, um, in this, this, there was a lot of like Aztec, Mayan, um, Nigerian, and like other like tribal artifacts in this museum. Oh, really? Um, and Michael, he wanted to kind of like make his, you know, he wanted to, to make his own like name for himself. And he wanted to kind of come up with some artifacts, something to put in this museum. And, um, he kind of wanted to contribute, you know what I mean? So he decided that he wanted to study the indigenous people of Dutch new Guinea, which at the time it was owned by the Netherlands. It was like a territory of the Netherlands today. It's part of Indonesia, but at the time it was, it was part of the Netherlands and it was, it was Dutch. Mm-hmm. And, um, they basically like have some really like at the time, this was back in the sixties or seventies, or I think no sixties is early sixties. Um, you know, there was still a lot of tribes that they weren't like completely uncontacted, but they were like, you know, very, very rarely contacted type of stuff. And he wanted to kind of get involved in that and, and learn about, the- learn about their culture, kind of gather artifacts, that kind of stuff. Um, so he basically set up a team to go study um, what was called the Azmat tribe. Um, and in 1960, um, his team, which was basically like scientists, explorers, and some documentarians. So they had like some cameras and stuff. Um, not video cameras, but like, you know, pictures and stuff. It's back in the 60s. Um, they they set out for the island and they, they went to um, this villa. It's called Ostjenep. I don't know. It's maybe it's a Dutch word or something, but it's O T S J A N E P Ostjenep or something. Ostjenep. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and that's where the, a lot of the Azmat tribe lived. Um, basically Michael was like really into it. He tried to learn as much as he could about them. He was studying them. Um, he, he also kind of like participated in a lot of like the rich rituals and stuff that they did. Um, which, a lot of people say that Azmats have some very interesting and strange rituals. Um, you know, all, all kind of tribal things like they have tribal groups. They have like strange rituals, but these guys did some weird shit. Um, <laughs> apparently they, they would, it, whenever they had like battles or something afterwards, they would like, they would eat their enemies. Oh, just sacrifice. So it was cannibalism. Basically, did he join good. in? What did he, what did he, do you have any uh, descriptions? I don't think he joined in on that. How did people taste? Right. What if he did? No, I don't think it was documented that he joined in in that ever. Um, 
Are the Rockefellers aren't secretly eating cannibalism right now? (laughs) No, no, no. We're going to get to that. Um, He was basically, he was like extremely fascinated with this tribe and their peoples. Um, He was also, he was able to gather um, some like masks that they would use, masks, spears, statues, that kind of stuff. So he got a bunch of good artifacts from them that he was going to bring back to his museum. Um, and when he left, he, he said he vowed to return. He was like, I'm definitely, he's like, I'm going to return. I'm going to study even more. I'm going to learn more shit. Um, and, and yeah, he was, he was super interested in it. Like he was just, he really cared. You know what I mean? Like he, he really cared about like indigenous tribes and learning about that kind of stuff. So, so he loved it. And, um, less than a year later, uh, in 1961, he got another group together, a much smaller group. Cause this was more of just, he was just going to like take some pictures and stuff. Um, and, uh, they returned, he went back there, um, on the way to the village, their boat overturned and it, and it, and it like basically got overturned and it, they were about 12 miles from, from the coast oh, from no. shore. Now, um, and like, like I said, they're about 12 miles out, but I mean, when you're in the ocean, basically you could still see the land, you know? <laughs> so Michael was basically like, I'm going to swim. I'm going to swim to the land, to the coast and see if I can like get some help or something from right. there. And that was the last time he was ever seen. My first instinct tells me that he drowned. You think so? It's possible. It's definitely possible to swim that though. Right. You know? Especially when you're going towards the land, I feel like doesn't the current kind of take you don't don't like wave like through the waves and stuff. Don't you just kind of float that way anyway? Yeah, or is it bit different to based on based on yeah, where you're at? Just based on where you're at. I mean, it's a long. I he could have made it. Possible. Maybe just landed. Was was the place populated where he was by the land? Not really. No, because. Decades later, um, there there was uh, some other smaller tribes in the Asmat part of the of that uh, like Ashtonep, um area, and they claimed that they that they they found him and they killed him and ate him. Now, if we go back here in 1957. Uh, Dutch colonists, they stormed the village of Ostrinep, um to try and settle a conflict that was going on between some of the tribes. And the Dutch ended up killing four Asmat leaders. Oof. Not a good, you know, not the, the best way, not the best way to help settle things. No, definitely not. And uh, supposedly Michael Rockefeller got to land uh, when he made it to shore. He was greeted by these leaders, sons, Mm-hmm. And you know they they don't know where he's from. They think white person bad. You know white person. He's the one who killed my fathers. So apparently they they killed him, ate his flesh, and then made like tools and spears and stuff out of his bones. That's just what they do. Um, now when they were asked, you know they were doing like Michael's father, his parents. Flew to New Guinea to like search for him when when they. I'm sure there was an extensive search party. 
I'm sure because they're rich as fuck. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure they they had airplanes, ships, and helicopters like searching the whole area. Um, no remains, no trace, no remains were ever found. Um, but um, they they were you know like after this claim was made, they were asked like, do you have like like any sp- like they said that they made like spears and stuff out of his bones. Like, do you have anything like so that we could like at least prove it? And they couldn't give him anything. So that's kind of, but this was decades later. Yeah. You know, 10, I think it was like 15 years later. So, I mean, that's a pretty long fucking time to have the same spear, the same, you know, so that's believable. But at the same time, it's like nothing. They couldn't have any, like a necklace. I or, feel like that's like trying to give yourself a little fame. Yeah, maybe that's why some people don't necessarily believe it. Some people think, you know, there, there's a lot of theories. Like maybe like just you like, said, some people think he just drowned and nothing, you know, he just drowned and died or got eaten by sharks or something like in the ocean. Or maybe he like just wanted to live with the natives, like just blend in. <laughs> that is a theory, dude. That's a theory. Some <laughs> people think that he just like stayed there and lived there. Like fuck the real world. Like let me just live this nice peaceful life. Right. No money, no worries. He could have been one of the- he has money. He, was, he, has you know, money. he was the heir to to the fortune. He was the oldest son of Nelson, so he would have like eventually after his dad died, he would have been the heir to the fortune. He he would have had the money. So it's like it. So that's kind of noble of him to to say like I don't care about that. I want to go like learn about these tribes and stuff. You know what I mean? That's why I kind of I respect him. Normally, people that are born into those families i hate them because they're fucking running the world and they don't give a fuck about us but yeah so so it's kind of a mystery like no one really knows what happens some people believe the tribes and say they probably just like killed him and ate him and then you know that kind of thing some people think he may have drowned in the water after the boat uh capsized but everybody else survived that was on the boat maybe it wasn't the best swimmer maybe yeah but they obviously didn't all swim together. No, Michael said he's going to try and go for the shore, and the other guys, I don't know what happened to them, but they're all alive. I know that. They're like, well, cool, we'll just chill here and just wait for help. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's what happened. I wonder. Maybe I, that would be interesting to look into what happened to them. All I know is that they're alive because they told the story about what happened. Um, and, yeah, and some people think, like, like you said, maybe he landed and then just like said, fuck it. And I'm going to become part of the tribe. You know, <laughs> who knows? He was so into it. He was very fascinated. I feel like there have been a story though, like, yo, this I white guy, this white that, guy yeah. joined. Yeah. You would be like, Hey, who's this one? Like white dude with blonde hair, like <laughs> hanging out with all these aborigines. Could you people? imagine like the Rockefellers like doing some searches and they like, come across like this white warrior, like <laughs> face paint all over him. Like with like, his beard. yeah, you know, look, he might stand out a little bit. So, <laughs> Yeah, but it, but it's just a little mystery, you know, mini mystery of like what happened. And it's interesting because like, you know, he was a Rockefeller. You know, usually these guys are just rich as fuck their whole lives and run shit and then die when they're, you know, 90 years old. But he may have been eaten by cannibals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that next week we're going to try and redo our Love Pass and MH370 episode because that one had some audio issues. But we also need to come with some, some new content, so we're going to do something else too. Alright, so... Stay tuned. Yeah, we'll, we'll let you know. You'll, you'll find out 
what that'll be because again we didn't, I'm not we haven't really thought about what it's going to be yet so we will tell you that at some point within the next week you'll get a new version of the Diet Loves Pass and MH370 because that was a good episode. Yeah. I love. I think Diet Loves Pass is really interesting. MH370, <laughs> you know, it's interesting, but it's. I think Diet Loves Pass is really crazy. So, so we'll redo that episode for you guys and get that out there, um, and then we'll also come up with something new. But you have to stay tuned and see what that is. We'll keep that a mystery because <laughs> we don't know yet. But um, but yeah, thank you guys. You know, for listening to the Mystery Bros episode, what fourteen now? There we go. We're getting up there. Um, yeah, thank you guys for listening, man. Peace out. Mystery Bros. Mystery Bros. Mystery Bros. Mystery Bros. Mystery Bros. Mystery Bros. Mystery Bros.